Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and we hear from the Reverend Emily Boring as she preached from the lectionary, which this week was Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Winters ago, my world, as I'd known it, unraveled. I'd lived with an illness for over a decade, and my body finally succumbed to it. I ran out of life force, hope, and strength. For a few months, I had to leave school, leave behind friends, community, work, and vocation in order to heal. It was a dark time, a kind of territory that many of you have probably traveled, a time when all my inner shadows surfaced and obscured my view of who I was or who I might become. I didn't know if I'd return to seminary. I didn't know if I'd get ordained, write, teach, or if I even wanted these things anymore. It was as if all of the lights that had previously guided my path were suddenly extinguished. I was left searching, groping, wondering if there was any path at all. I didn't pray. I didn't know what to ask for. At the close of each day, all I could do was admit the one thing that felt really true. I don't know. Then one night, as I slept in yet another strange bed far from home, a song came to me in a dream. I don't normally dream in music, and I'm aware as I say it that it sounds strange and unreal. But the notes sprang up, clear and strong and beautiful, as if they were in the room. It was a song by Mark Miller, a phenomenal composer and director of the choir I'd sung in at seminary. The words were an adaptation of Mark 13, today's gospel text. When the sun and moon are shaken and the heavens lose their light, when we think we are forsaken, there's a comforter in sight. For the day is surely coming when these labor pains have passed. We will greet the new creation, and with all the saints, at last, we will rejoice. I'd sung the song maybe once before. I didn't know I knew the words. Yet they came to me unbidden, calling from a place far beyond the present moment, calling me back to school, to life, to myself. I didn't choose or make the way forward. A way was shown, given to me. In the coming months, there was a lot more pain and doubt and trial. But that night, that song was a beginning. I glimpsed a story in which no darkness is too deep for light to penetrate and life emerges even at the cusp of death. For a moment, 
I knew that I was part of that story, part of a process in which suffering is not prevented or erased, but transformed. In Advent, we talk a lot about preparing for the coming of Christ. We count down the weeks with blue candles. We pray, chant, meditate, and tell stories, opening our minds and hearts to receive the great mystery of God's birth in flesh. But sometimes I wonder if preparing is really the right word to describe what we do in Advent. I think of the times in my life that I'd call Christ moments, times when I've felt God most intimately and immediately, times when God seems to know my particular embodied experience and meet me there. Almost always, these Christ moments happen when I least expect it. They happen precisely because I haven't prepared, because my life isn't in order, because all that I'd planned is lost. How do we prepare for something unbidden? What kind of practices make us open to receive something given freely, something we can't predict, can't foresee, can't ourselves bring about? Today, I want to do something simple. I want to suggest three qualities that make us open to Christ moments. Three ideas that might help us keep awake for the unforeseen presence of God among us. They're simple observations, maybe obvious ones, but I think that's part of the point. The coming of God in flesh is a great and holy mystery beyond our ability to understand. But the experience of Christ in our lives can feel natural, simple, familiar, a coming home to a pattern and presence that was always and already there. Observation one. The moments we receive Christ are often painful and unwelcome. We don't want them and we don't seek them out. They feel at first like an ending, not a beginning. There's loss, descent, shattering. To receive the new, the old must die. We see this pattern in our gospel reading today. Our passage from Mark is an apocalyptic story, the story of a beginning that comes only when the world as we knew it has passed away. We get an apocalypse every first Sunday of Advent, from Matthew or Luke, if not from Mark. And I think that's a really important point. In this chapter, we have dramatic end time imagery, darkening skies, falling stars, shaken heavens, drawn in part from Daniel and Isaiah. We have a literal disruption of the cosmos in which our world was held. And we also know, or at least we can guess, the historical context of this passage. Mark's gospel was likely written for a community who had recently experienced the destruction of the Jerusalem temple at the hands of the Roman army in 70 AD. The temple was a religious and cultural center for the Jewish people, and when it fell, it shattered a whole era of worship and life. 
No wonder they looked for a story in which new life emerges from destruction. They were living out a cruciform pattern of reorder from disorder, birth out of death. While preparing for this sermon, I read a wonderful commentary on a blog called Interrupting the Silence, written by Reverend Mike Marsh, an Episcopal priest. He helps us make the leap between the pattern in this gospel passage and the death before life we experience in our own lives. He reminds us that we all have our temple stories, metaphorical foundations upon which our identity, our ego, is built. They're often innocent stories, even useful ones. I'm self-sufficient. I don't show my feelings. I must be strong for others. I'm in control. These stories have shaped and defined us, giving meaning and direction to our lives. Until something happens, and we realize these stories are no longer sufficient, a crisis, a transition, an illness, a loss. The stories that were our foundation can no longer bear the weight of our lives and our experiences. They can no longer hold what we know and need and feel. What are the stories that have built your temple? What are the beliefs that you don't know if you could live and be without? And are they still life-giving? Part of preparing in Advent means examining our temple stories, holding them lightly, being willing to ask if it's time for them to pass away. Observation two. God does not rescue us from darkness. God transforms darkness. We welcome Christ not by avoiding the dark, but by going more deeply in and down and waiting there. The choice of imagery in Mark's gospel is telling. The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven. These are specific images, images that have to do with illumination and guidance. The sun and moon and stars are reference points, marking cycles and timelines. They produce light, literally allowing us to know the way. Advent, then, is a time when we're called to give up our usual sources of illumination the ways we've always steered and directed our lives. This is related to the death of the old pattern, because as humans, we don't usually give up our sources of light willingly. Something snuffs them out, leaving us lost and referenceless. We're forced to find another way. And when we do, when we enter this darkness, something happens something that we couldn't have received if the light had stayed. There's a poem by David White called Sweet Darkness. In it, he tells us, the dark will be your home tonight. The night will give you a horizon farther than you can see. 
I love this line. Sometimes our own vision limits the horizon we can imagine. Sometimes the loss of our usual reference points is the only thing that lets us discover the infinite space and possibility of our lives. Fertile darkness is well known to anyone who's watched the gestation of a seed or a child in the womb. There are no shortcuts. Darkness doesn't merely precede birth sequentially. Darkness creates the conditions out of which life can emerge. And so we prepare for Advent by going willingly into the dark. Observation three. This one's simple, and it follows from all the others. The birth of Christ is not just an event. It's also a pattern. It doesn't just happen out there once and for all in the course of history. It happens in us and through us here, now. We are sites of transformation, vessels where the pattern of Christ's birth constantly and creatively unfolds. There's an image in Mark that conveys this. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. This is the way of things, it tells us. Winter into summer, death into life, old into new. The pattern of Advent is not about a single miraculous coming. It's about the constant coming, the particular conditions in our own hearts that create the possibility of new life. There was a moment just this morning when I panicked. I wrote a sermon about beginning from ending, light from darkness, transformation following death. Did I just preach about Easter? not Advent. <laughs> Does this sermon belong in Holy Week instead? And then I realized we're Episcopalians. <laughs> One of the beautiful things about our liturgy and our church calendar is the way we experience the year as one long, continuous arc. Each season, we pick up and examine particular threads of that story but we do it with the knowledge and anticipation of the whole. This season, we pick up the thread of beginnings. But even as we celebrate Advent, we're looking ahead toward Holy Week. Even as we await a beginning, we can't unknow our awareness of how it will end and begin again. When we welcome the birth of Jesus, we're welcoming all of it. Receiving Christ's birth means receiving and entering the way of the cross. Keep awake, Jesus tells us at the close of this gospel. This Advent, examine your foundations. Surrender the old. Go into the dark. And above all, remember that you're part of this great unfolding story. Keep awake for the gifts that come to you, unbidden, unexpected, arriving as softly and tenderly 
as a bit of song. Amen.